Today we are week number two of our sermon on the Sermon on the Mount, where we're taking the teachings of Jesus and we're not only just hearing them, we're not only doing them, we're allowing them to, be tra- to transform us. And so uh, today we're gonna pick up uh, in the book of Matthew. I love the book of Matthew and how he records Jesus's teachings. They're so beautiful and so organized and so intentional. It makes it easy for us to read and to meditate on them and to, to learn from them. And so as we go through the Sermon on the Mount over the next several weeks, uh, we're gonna see that Jesus doesn't hold back. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. He pulls no punches. He, he comes straight for our heart in those areas of our lives where we tend to drift away from his ways and do, thing, do things our ways, like our anger, our lust, our self-righteousness, our anxiety, all these things he's teaching us on how we should live as citizens of a different kingdom. Last week, we talked about this kingdom that though we are living on the earth, walking the earth, we are citizens, not of the earth. We're citizens of heaven. And and Jesus, even in this Sermon on the Mount, halfway through it, he prays to God and he he says, Father, let your will be done, not my will. Let your will be done, watch this, on earth as it is in heaven. So we are walking in the kingdom of God as, as children of our true King Jesus. We get to be not just in this earthly kingdom, we get to engage in a heavenly kingdom. And so we're gonna, we're gonna learn more about what that looks like today. And so Jesus uses the Sermon on the Mount to teach his citizens how to be good citizens. Citizens not of this earth, but of this kingdom. And so today we're gonna use the first two verses of Matthew, of Matthew chapter five. And it's going to be a launching pad for us as we start this uh, journey on becoming a citizen of the kingdom and how we can come near to our king. If you'll look with me in Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 1, you'll see uh, that we also have it on the screen here. I'll actually read it from there today. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, he says, seeing the crowds. Who are the crowds? The crowds were those people he just healed and delivered and they began to follow him. And so he went up on a mountain, a high hill. He went up on this mountain and and when he sat down, it says his disciples came to him and he opened up his mouth and he taught them. Now, when you read something like that, he opened up his mouth and he taught them. It seems redundant. It's like, well, of course, if he opened his mouth, he's gonna speak, he's gonna teach. But that is a Greek way of saying he's pouring out his heart. He's pouring out his heart. He's showing you his heart and his love and his intentions and and what burdens him. And so you better listen. But I love what it says. It says that his, his disciples came to him. They drew near. That's what that word means. Draw near to God. His disciples came to him. Today, for week number two of Sermon on the Mount, I want us to talk about drawing near to God, that we would draw near to him that we wouldn't just try to take the teachings and just do it or just hear it, but that we would not only apply the teachings, we would get close to the teacher, that we would draw near, come near to our King, to our God, that we would draw near to him. You see the aim of the Bible all throughout the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, there's one goal and that is for us to be united to God, to come back into his presence, just as in the garden, 
As Adam walked with God, it is God's desire that his creation walk with him, that we as citizens of this kingdom don't settle for a distant God, that we don't settle for God just being an afterthought or that we would just go through our day and find ourselves going to sleep at night, realizing we never even talked to our God. It's not, Christianity is not about a checklist. It's not about a Sunday morning. It is about an every day, every moment, no hour passes where I am not engaging with my God, where I'm not communicating with him. And so Jesus is telling them, the kingdom of heaven is here right now, meaning that you can draw near to God right now. If you wanna know God, you gotta be near him. If you wanna hear God, you have to be near him. If you want to feel his presence, you have to be near God. If you wanna be healed like these, the crowd did in Matthew chapter four, healed and delivered, you've gotta be close to him. Just like the woman with the issue of bleeding, she had to reach out and touch him. She had to be near God. And so today we're gonna to learn how we draw near to God. You know, James echoes this principle in James chapter four, verse eight. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so you might ask, well, what does it look like to draw near? How do I draw near, Michael? Is it uh, going to church? I can't go to church today. There's no water, it's frozen. I, I can't be there. Is, does that mean I can't draw near to him? Is, is that it, being in church? Is it, do I draw near to God by, by praying? Do I draw near to God by worshiping? What is it? And I would say that, that all of those are good things in ways that you can get closer to God, but, but church, listen to me, it's deeper than that. It's deeper than, it's not just about coming to church. It's not just about knowing the Bible. It's not just about doing acts of service. It's a posture of your heart. And so it doesn't matter how full your head is with the things of God or how dirty and calloused your hands are from serving God's people. It's, how's your heart? What's the posture of your heart? Does he have your heart. And so as we draw near to God, we must understand that it is our heart posture that matters, that we must be looking at our heart more than our good deeds. Jesus wants to know you. He wants to know you and we, he gets to know us by our hearts. And so drawing near is not a physical act. Drawing near is not, you know, like they, they did in the Old Testament, building a tower of Babel so they can be close to God. It wasn't based on achievements or, or works. Drawing near to God to, is not going into a church building, so to speak. It's not even sitting on the front row or, or coming to the altar. No, no, it's an invisible act of the heart that we would draw near to him by posturing our hearts towards him. And that means you can do it standing still. That means you can do it right now in your living room, drive, driving in the car, you can posture your heart to receive what God has, to, to be near to him, to hear him, to, to feel him. And so we see this command in James, we see this principle being played out in Matthew chapter five, where, where Jesus is wanting them to come near to him. And so the disciples draw near to him. And I, and I want us to look at Hebrews because Hebrews gives us a clear, a clear exhortation of how to make this possible. How do we 
draw near to him? How do we posture our hearts towards our God? And so we see in Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10 tells us, starting in verse 19, it says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and the living way that he opened for us through, through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near, watch this, with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from evil conscience, from our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Come on, he is faithful. And so we get to see here first and foremost that the writers of Hebrews tells us that we get to draw near because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It is the blood of Jesus that makes it where we can draw near to God. The blood of Jesus makes it where we can be in the presence of God. And so when we say that, that Jesus died for our sins, listen to me, it's not just so you can get into heaven. It's not so that you can just uh, be saved from burning in hell. Listen, when Jesus died for your sins, he made the way, the only way for you to be reunited with God, to be reconciled, redeemed. You were bought with a price. The blood paid the price. And so what Jesus did was not just save you from some scary place. No, no, he made a way so that you can be in the presence of God. That's what Hebrews is telling us is that we can be reunited with God because of the blood of Jesus. You see, sin entered the scene in Genesis and it separated us from God, but the blood unites us. It redeems us back. That scripture also tells us that there was a curtain, a dividing wall. Old Testament, they understood that there was a dividing wall between the holies of holies and only the priests could come in. And Hebrews tells us that Jesus his flesh was that curtain and it was torn, it was ripped. And so there is no dividing wall anymore. You can be reconciled with God. Listen to me, there's nothing you have to do. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter what you've been through. None of that matters. Jesus made the way. Jesus made the way. It's not based on your good works, or how much you tithe, how many times you attend church, how many you know, serve projects you do, that's all good. And that's impacting the kingdom. But that does not get you closer to God. There's nothing you can do to earn it or deserve it. Jesus made the way. Jesus made the way. He made it possible. So what does that tell me? That tells me that the price has already been paid, that the way has already been made, that you now, it's up to you, how close are you gonna be to God? He made it possible. So it's, the ball is now in your court. Are you gonna walk that path? Are you gonna draw near? So if you are now sitting in your living room thinking that I can draw near to God, that I can do this, well, why isn't it that I don't feel his presence? If the price has been paid, if the way has been made, if there's nothing I have to do to earn this or deserve this, then where are you, God? Where are your, where's your presence at? How come I don't feel you? How come... When I'm praying, I don't always sense you. Well, whose fault is it? Whose fault is it that we don't feel God? Is it God's fault? Is it our fault? Is there something going on in our life? Well, we're, not, we're never gonna put the fault on God because it's not God's fault. He made the way. 
So I would venture to say that maybe it's something in our life. And the writer of Hebrews, he talks about our heart. And so I would just encourage you that as you are seeking after the Lord, drawing near to him, let's don't look at our outward acts, our acts of service, the good things we're doing for the kingdom. Let's zoom in and let's look at our heart. Because we see here that he talks about the heart and he talks about how our heart should be sprinkled clean, that we should, we should have a clean heart. Look at it with me again in Hebrews 10. He says in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart, with full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean. What's a true heart? That means a sincere heart. That means a heart that's not fake. That means a heart that's not counterfeit. You see, so often we can look like we've got it all together. So often we can look real. We can look like we've got a real faith, a real Christianity. We go to church, we serve, we do all the Christian things. And Jesus says, you've got to have a true heart, a real heart, not that which looks real, but that which is actually real. You know, it's so easy today with, uh, with all the apps on your phone that you can buy all these brand name clothes and, and you know, even travel across uh, the ocean to go to other countries and buy all these brand name things that look real, but they're really not. You know, and to maybe you and me, we would look at it and, and we would say, oh, that, man, that person, they, they've got some nice stuff. Man, that person, they must have a lot of money or they must travel a lot or, wow, they must really like this certain brand or this certain item because they have all these things that look very expensive. But we can't fool God. We might can fool one another with our clothes and the brands that we wear, but when it comes to our heart, our heart, God is gonna be able to tell whether or not it's a real heart, a true heart, one that's truly repentant, one that's full of faith, one that's really coming to him. And so the writer of Hebrews is really just zooming down to get personal. How's your heart? What's it full of? Is it full of self-righteousness? Is it full of anxiety? anger, depression, conceitedness, pride. Because the writer in Hebrews tells us that a true heart is full of faith, full of faith in God, truly believing that he is who he says he is, that he is faithful. And so we wanna have this true heart, this heart that's fully surrendered over to God, not filled with things of this world because we're not citizens of this world. You see, when we fill our hearts with things of this world, we fill our heart with that which, desi which satisfies our flesh, it kills the fire that we have for God. The more that we put into our, our hearts that's of this world, the more we are putting out the fire, the flame that's inside of our spirit. And Jesus warns us of this. Jesus talks about the person that is so full of the things of this world that they've lost their fire for God. He talks about it in Revelation chapter three. We actually referenced this last week. In Revelation chapter three, Jesus says, I know your works. You've been doing the Christian thing. You've been serving, been giving, helping the poor and the needy. You've been doing the Christian things. But it says, you're neither hot nor cold. Would you either, he says, would that you either cold or hot? So because you are lukewarm, you're lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold. He says, I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth. That is an aggressive statement 
from the Lord. Just think about the imagery there in your mind that the Lord is gonna spew us out because we're neither hot nor cold. He says, I would rather you be one, but right now you're fake. Right now you put on a show. Right now you've got on a mask. Right now you're just pretending. And Jesus says, now is the time that you can no longer pretend. Can I just take it a step further, church, and just say, in our world today, in the times that we find ourselves in right now, we can no longer get by by being fake. We can no longer make it in this Christian life by being a lukewarm Christian or a fake Christian. There is a clear dividing line happening. There's a line drawn in the sand and we are gonna see who's real and who is not real. And Jesus is looking for a church, a body of believers that are not lukewarm, but that are on fire for God, that are going after God, seeking after him, full of his spirit, full of the things of God. And church, guess what? He wants it to be you. He wants it to be you. We can be on fire for God. Wherever, right now in your house, come on, you can be on fire for God. He wants you to be fervent and zealous and on fire for him. And so the Hebrews writer tells us that we gotta be full of faith, people that are full of faith. And so Jeremiah 29 reiterates the principle that we're, we're learning about. It says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with what? Your hearts, with all of your heart. The psalmist said it too in Psalm 145. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth, in truth. We are to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, that we've gotta come with a true heart. Listen to me, our heart's wicked. It's full of a lot of selfish things, a lot of wicked things. If we follow the desires of our heart, it'll place us in a very bad place. And what God is asking is not for you to be fake. It's not for you to try to clean yourself up. It's not for you to try to start doing good before you approach the throne of God. He's saying, I want it all, the true heart. That means the jacked up heart. That means the messed up heart. That means the broken heart. The Bible tells us that he is near to the brokenhearted. God wants your heart, whatever condition that it might be in, broken, hard, let down, disturbed, whatever condition your heart might be in, Jesus wants your heart, and so your whole heart. And so today, church, in your living room, where you're at right now, we're just gonna give Jesus our hearts. We're gonna give it all to him. No more faking it, no more lukewarm Christianity, no more, I'm gonna keep Jesus at a distance because I, a distance because I don't wanna, I'm, I'm afraid of what'll happen if I get close to him. No, 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 church. Jesus sat down on the side of a hill and his disciples came to him. You can come to Jesus. You can come to Jesus. And so maybe today you're saying, my heart's not full of faith. My heart's broken. My heart's full of things of this world. My heart's full of bitterness and anger. And right now, I don't feel like I can approach God. I don't feel like I can come near to such a holy God. I am such a sinner. I'm so messed up. I, I, I think I'm too far gone. Let me encourage you today with the words of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter three, listen to what God says to his people. He says, return, O faithless sons. Listen to me, even when you're faithless, God still calls you a son and a daughter. 
Don't lose your identity in this moment. Don't, don't, don't take away what's been given to you. You are still a son and a daughter of a king. And he says, return to me, O faithless sons. Listen to this. And I will heal your faithlessness. God's gonna heal it. And this is our response. Behold, we come to you for you are our Lord and our God. God wants to heal you of that faithless heart that you have because you're still his son. You're still his daughter. And he's telling us that it's worth it. You're worth it. And so we go back to our Hebrew scripture. We see we have a true heart full of faith, but our heart is wicked and it has to be made clean. Hebrews would then tell us in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart, full of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from our evil conscience. What is, what is that sprinkled clean? Well, that's in reference to an Old Testament principle of, of, of having to sprinkle clean off the blood of an animal, sprinkle things clean, sprinkle people clean, doorposts clean. We're, we're trying to cleanse something that is dirty. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is that ultimate sacrifice, that his blood being shed is the ultimate price, that we can be washed clean by the blood of the lamb, by the blood of Jesus Christ. First John 1 tells us about this. Look at First John 1, verse 7. First John 1, verse uh, 7 says, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. There's that cleansing. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves because we have a true heart now. We understand we have sin. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful. There it is again. He's faithful. And he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so when we come to him with a true heart, a heart that is not pure, a heart that is dirty, a heart that is wicked, a heart that is full of shame and guilt and bitterness. We don't have to do the cleaning. The Bible tells us that Jesus cleans it for us, that he washes us white as snow. Come on, we've been in the snow for too long. You see how white the snow is. Even last night, lying in bed at 11 something with the full moon and the snow, it was bright. You know, it was very bright outside. You see, when the snow comes and it washes as white as snow, when the snow comes, it takes that which is dirty, it takes that which is impure, which is so dark, and it makes it so bright, so clean. It washes it white as snow. And so what the writer is trying to tell us, what Jesus is trying to tell us is that a heart that is cleaned by God is no longer stained by sin. Your heart, when it is cleaned by God, is no longer stained by sin. Those stains of guilt, those stains of shame, those stains of bitterness. It's, it's, it's so dirty, it's so deep, it's so woven, so, it's so messy in my heart. I don't see how he can make it clean. It's so dirty that dawn dish detergent can't touch it. Like that's how dirty my heart is. And it says the blood of Jesus will wash it all away. That means the guilt's gone, the shame is gone. Your past is gone because in Christ, we can have a clear conscience, not evil, not those thoughts of, I can't believe you did that. Not those thoughts of you're wicked. Every, listen to me, every time those thoughts pop up in your mind and they will. So the Bible says, take captive every thought and bring it under submission to God. 
When those thoughts enter your mind, enter your heart, you can then speak to those thoughts and you can tell them, yes, I might've did that. Yeah, that, they're true, that's true, I might've done that. that. That is who I was at one time, but that is not who I am today. I have been washed clean, I have been redeemed. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. That Michael's dead, I'm a new person. I have a new slate, a new heart. I'm no longer defined by my past. The blood of Christ has washed me clean. You see, you can have that's clean hearts. He even talks about cleaning the body, your body's being pure, being cleaned with pure water, meaning that we're a pure vessel. We're being cleansed by God, that there's so much power in the blood of Jesus that there's no sin that holds it back, that there's no sin that keeps you from being cleansed and cleaned by God, that we can draw near to his presence because God cleans us. The blood of Jesus washes us white as snow that we can come to him now. We can come to him. We can be in his presence. We can draw near to a holy God because the blood of Jesus washes us white as snow. So I just have to wonder how long, how long has it been since you've been in his presence? How long has it been since you've drawn near to God? How long has it been since you felt him? How long has it been since he's touched your body, touched your heart, touched your spirit? How long has it been? Today's the day, right where you're at, that you can come to him. I love what happens when we come to him. I love what happens when we're in his presence. I love Acts chapter three. It gives us such a a, a great picture of this. It says in Acts chapter three, verse 20, it says, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And so in the presence of the Lord, there's times of refreshing. That word refreshing literally means a recovery of breath. That when you're in the presence of the Lord, you get your breath back. You get your faith back. You get your motives and and your aggression back. I'm ready. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to stand firm. I'm ready to seek after God. That word also means revival, that that which was dead is now bring back to life. Listen to me, in the presence of the Lord, in God's very presence, dead things come back to life, that you can come back to life, that your spirit can come back to life, that those dreams and those visions that God has given you, those promises that have been spoken over your family, in the presence of the Lord can be revived. They can come back to life. You can get your breath back. As you sit here and you engage in this sermon and you feel the pressures of this world, you feel the anxiety, you feel the pressure of not getting a paycheck this past week because you couldn't go to work and bills are due and food has to be put on the table and all these things have to happen. And and maybe, let me talk to the men, the providers of the home. You feel the pressure to provide for your family. And because of things that's happened in your life, even this past week, even this past month, it feels like the breath has been knocked out of you. You don't know what to do. Let me encourage you and tell you what to do. Do what Acts says. In the presence of the Lord, you can get your breath back. Come on, I just believe right now, wherever you're at, that right now as you seek after God, as you bring your heart to him, that he's gonna refresh you. He's gonna breathe life like, the, like he took Ezekiel over the, the valley of the dry bones that he said, son of man, can these bones live again? 
And listen to me, that's the mindset of so many people is that I can't live again. That I'm too far gone. That my days, my best days are behind me and I can't live again. And Ezekiel responds and he says, surely, surely God, you know if they can live again. And what does God say? He says, breathe life into them. Breathe life and they can live again. They can live again. Listen to me, you can live again because you can be in the presence of the Lord. You're a citizen of, of, of his kingdom, of his, of his throne. And so we, we get his presence. And so you can live again. But let me take it a step further. The last thing I want you to hear me say today is that when you feel far from God, when you feel like the breath has been knocked out of you, when you feel like you're at rock bottom, when you feel like the pressures of this world are too much, when you feel like you can't take another step, I don't want you to hear my words. I want you to hear the words of Jesus. And so if that's you today and you need to hear this word, close your eyes, block out every distraction. Hear what Jesus says to you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, come to me. Same word there, draw near. Same word we've been looking at, draw near. All who labor, who are heavy laden, they get that heavy weight on them. Here's the promise of Jesus. He says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle. I'm lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus says today, you can come to him. You can receive rest, peace, refreshing. We can draw near to the Lord. If you want to feel God in 24 like never before, if you want to see the promises of God come to pass in this year, if you want to serve God more, to feel him more, to be who he's called you to be, it's not about doing acts of service. It's not about earning your way into the kingdom. It's about posturing my heart to say, God, I give you everything, my true heart. I'm coming and I'm seeking you. I'm drawing near to you and I'm receiving that which you have for me. And the promises of God are yes and amen because we serve a God who is faithful. The price, it's been paid. The way, it's been made. Will you come to him? Will you draw near to him? If so, let's do that right now, right where you're at. Let's bow our heads as I pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity, God, that we have right now to draw near to your presence, to come to you as broken as we are, as sinful as we are, as messed up as we are, God. We get to come to you, to draw near to you, to hear from you. And so, Father, we're right now as your children, we're drawing near. But God, we realize that there are those right now that are engaging with us online that, that they don't see themselves as a child of God, that they've never surrendered over to you. But they realize now in this moment that is their reasonable response because of your presence that's there with them as they watch this, drawing them into a relationship with you, they understand right now, I need to give my life to Jesus. That the world can't satisfy. 
that the things that I've been craving and been doing and desiring have not brought me fulfillment. And right now I'm at rock bottom. The breath has been knocked out of me. And God, right now, if you are real, if you are faithful, if your promises are yes and amen, will you come and, and revive me, breathe life into me once again. As your children right now are crying out to you, God, I know, I know, God, you're gonna touch those people right now that it, they need a relationship with you. And so I'm praying right now for those who wanna give their life to Jesus. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin. He died, he made a way, he paid the price so that you could be in relationship with God. And if that's you in this moment right now, I would just ask you to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear heavenly father, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of my past. My heart is now yours. I surrender to my king and I receive new life, a new heart, a new relationship with my God. And I thank you for healing me, forgiving me, saving me. And I commit to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.